This is Marion Ross. You're listening to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast. Beautiful. Is that it? <laughs> Not even in there. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. And we're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is an Emmy, Tony, and Oscar-nominated actress with dozens of TV, film, and theater credits, including... The Broadway and Off-Broadway Plays, Company, Torch Song Trilogy, California Suite, Twelfth Night, The Crucible, and The Prisoner of Second Avenue, among others. Memorable films include Giant, One Potato, Two Potato, Private Benjamin, Hercules, Judy Berlin, and Breaking Away, for which she was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. You've also seen her in a number of popular TV series, including The Twilight Zone, The Fugitive, The Mary Tyler Moore Show, Family Ties, 30-something, Suddenly Susan, Nurse Jackie, and, of course, as Captain Miller's trusty spouse and confidant Elizabeth on the long-running comedy Barney Miller. In a career spanning seven decades, she shared the stage and screen with Art Carney, George Burns, Warren Beatty, Joan Crawford, Clint Eastwood, Goldie Hawn, and James Dean, as well as former podcast guests Paul Dooley, Lee Grant, Hal Linden, and Jessica Walter. She's the winner of an Obie Award, a Drama Desk Award, the Cannes Film Festival Best Actress Award, and she's also the author of two young adult novels and a memoir. And if all that wasn't enough, she also created her own original spicy chutney called Tomato Lightning. (laughs) And she better give me a free jar after this long and flattering introduction. Please welcome to the show a woman far too talented and dignified to have anything to do with this podcast, <laughs> Barbara Barry. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. What, what about this chutney, Barbara? It was really a fantastic product. I'm not kidding. Yeah? 
It was so. You don't still do it. You don't do it anymore. No, because uh, the fast, the fancy food industry is the hardest industry in the world. Okay. We struggled with it for I don't know, maybe four or five years. It somebody bought it, then somebody else bought it. We went to Philadelphia to literally put it in the jars ourselves. I went to fancy food shows. Uh, it it it's a terrible industry, and it was a great product. People not even now say I remember. And I'll tell you, it was the recipe. The original recipe came from Madhur Joffrey. Do you know who that is? No. Madhur Joffrey is an Indian actress. You would know if you saw her. Okay. And a cookbook writer. And she, her cooking show on the BBC was the most famous, most well-viewed cooking show ever on the BBC. Anyway, it was her original recipe, and I tweaked it, but I, I got her permission, you know. And it was a real—it was just a marvelous thing. But, like, it, we just couldn't make it work. So. No chutney for you, Gil. No, no chutney. Do you eat chutney? No, not that much. <laughs> so you'll have to get me a jar of anything else, peanut butter. You go down to Calustans. They have everything. Now now we have to get to the most important part of this show. Uh, Frank hinted that you might be Jewish. I'm Jewish. Definitely Jewish. Okay, that's important. <laughs> See, he gets very excited when when Jewish yeah. guests come into the come onto the I'm show. I'm surprised you didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> that I was Jewish. Well, you changed your I, name. Oh, that's right. I changed yeah. my name. Yeah. I usually know because I, we're so. My kids went to Hebrew school here. They went to synagogue school, and we're very active in the Jewish community. Just like you, Gil. Yes, and. <laughs> See, he's a good Jew. All too often, we have these fucking guineas. On this show. <laughs> he gets resentful when, when I bring in Italian guests. I think you've got me greatly outnumbered so far. One hundred and eighty shows. What Joe Pantoliano and yeah. uh, and what? <laughs> but it's hard to find Jews in showbiz. Yes. Yes. Very hard. Very hard. Yes, it is. <laughs> now you worked with. You did a pilot. With uh, someone whose name has come up more than once on this show, Herb Edelman. Yeah. What was it like working with Herb Edelman? Well, he was a darling man, you know, and he he was so eager to be the leader of that band. I mean, that particular project. Casca and his family, yeah. the show was called. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he was also a terribly heavy smoker, and that's what he died oh, of. Too, I oh, I didn't know that. But a darling man. And I remember saying he was very busy, you know, giving presents to the crew and being nice to her. I said, Herb, you know, we got to work on this material. You've got to stop giving presents to the crew. <laughs> he was so eager to be. And he was. Everybody loved him. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, years later, one of my very best friends went out with him for years and years and years and adored him. I won't tell you who that is. Oh, but, that's nice. But she's married to somebody else. But she adored him. He was a darling guy, and he's a good actor. Yeah. He was a good actor. The original Murray the Cop? In, yes. Uh, in the, in the yeah. couple movie. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then you worked with him again because he was in California Suite. But not in the one I was in. Oh, okay. Uh, the, yeah, we did. I did it on Broadway, and he must have done it later. Did yeah. he do it later? Funny guy. There were only four people in that, you know. Yeah. On Broadway, it was Jack Weston, George Grizzard, Tammy Grimes, and me. Right. Just yeah. four people. I think so he, he was in the movie. He, he might have been I, in the movie. I think you're right. Yeah, he's I in the movie. He, I think he was in the movie. Definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah. What about Jack Weston? Since you're bringing up names, people we love. And well, love he to talk was about a ribald guy. Ribald, huh? Like Gilbert, <laughs> like like Gilbert is. Oh my God! <laughs> I can't even repeat to you what he did. He liked an off-color remark. Oh, remark! <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if if he were alive today, he would be in the newspaper. He was oh, very I see. Naughty, very I see naughty. where you're headed with that. Very Interesting. naughty. But as as Joy Behar says, you know, yeah. every time he'd make some stupid move, I'd say, oh, get off me or get <laughs> off, forget it, Jack. Forget <laughs> it. Barbara is a Joy fan, as uh, I learned on our oh, ride yeah. as our, on our ride over here. Yeah. She goes way back with Gilbert. How long have you known Joy from the clubs? Oh, God. Yeah. Long time. Yeah. You're going to promise me to say hello to her. I sure right? will. Absolutely. So- and- Go ahead, Gil. And and among other shows you did, one that was, you know, one of my favorites as a kid was The Fugitive. You know, I think I did a, an episode of it. You did. Yeah. I have no idea what it was. Really, <laughs> <laughs> you, really you, you hold on to that from 60 years ago? I, I don't even yeah. remember. I know I did it, but yeah. I have no idea what happened or... Who was in it or who did it? David Jansen, well, of course, the star. Oh, David Jansen. And he died young, the poor thing. Yeah, he died young. What? Do you remember anything about David Jansen? No, I don't remember one thing about it, except I see it on my credits. How about The Untouchables? Do you remember doing that with Robert Stack? Kind of. How about Naked City? Oh, well, yeah, because we did a lot of those here. Yeah. And that was the most fun, the most exciting stuff. We did it on the streets of New York. Wow. And Herb Leonard, who produced that series, literally used to call me up and say, guess what? We're picking you up in the morning. You're going to San Antonio. I'd say, what am I doing? Never mind. Just get on the plane. (laughs) He did Route 66 Uh and he did Naked City. Right. And he would call and say, Barbara, we're doing, we're we're, we're sending, you're going to report tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for costume fitting. For what am I doing? He said, you're doing the next segment. Don't ask. Just go. I never auditioned for that show. I had the most wonderful experiences with doing that. That was a great show. Do you remember that show, Gil? Naked oh. City? Oh, yeah. 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 We used to dress in phone booths. You know, we we, for, <laughs> we used to take our, to, for the next scene. We had no No dress. trailers? No trailers. <laughs> what is this kamikaze television? Trailers. Forget it. But was the good actors and wonderful directors and wonderful scripts. I think I did three or four of them, and I did... One Route sixty six with George Maharis. Yep, yep. It was a great one. I played a blind girl. I think you did. Yes, I did. And yes. I had to go in the river in Texas in the cold. I remember George had to come in and get me because <laughs> I fell in the river. And then they took us into. They did have a trailer there, and they we drank brandy between sets. It was freezing. It was Texas, but that the, the Naked City was. I would love to see some of those again because they were really good. Do you remember doing a show called – I mean, you did so much early television. Yeah, You remember doing a show called The U.S. Steel Hour? Yeah. I bring it up because Larry Cohen wrote for The U.S. Steel Hour. That was the thing that he did with Henny Youngman. Wow. That he told us about. I do remember. It was – you know where it was? I think it was right here at Studio 8H in – 30 Rock? At 30 Rock. Oh, no kidding. Wasn't it an NBC show? A few blocks from here. Uh, I think so. I'll do the research on that. I don't have it written down. We just interviewed Larry Cohen. Do you know Larry Cohen? 
He was a he's a he became a film director, no. a feature director, but he was a he was a writer of uh, of live TV shows. No, I really don't know him. Yeah, you did a bunch of these craft theater. Tell me I, if anything jogs your memory. I did. I remember all of those. Ponds Theater. Yes. Craft I, Theater. Playwrights Fifty Six. Yes. I remember all of those. And Decoy and a show called Suspicion that you did with a young Warren Beatty. I don't remember that. But I'll tell you about those early television yeah. shows. We did them live. We didn't. There was not film, you know. Mm-hmm. We did them live. So you were on camera coast to coast. You were live. It was very scary. Yeah. I did a show. One of those shows with, with Kim Stanley was a Horton Foot script. Good and, actress. Oh yeah, yes, and we were we were in eight age. That was the first show I did. I think no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. And I remember Kim saying, "I'm so scared. I'm so scared. You know, what if it doesn't happen? What if I don't? What if I don't can't get there? Feel it, make it happen." I said, "You will." And it, it, of course, she did. It was terribly frightening. There was no going back. You didn't do a take again. Well, that was the and, story that that Larry told us about working with Henny Youngman. He did the same scene over oh, again. Yeah. <laughs> He wasn't an actor. He wasn't a trained actor. They were doing a live version of U.S. Steel Hour, yeah. and he did the same scene twice. And they had to stop him, and finally he caught himself. But, wait, right, live television. I'm telling you. And then you had to make your entrance on time because if you didn't make your entrance, why are you looking at me like that? No, no. <laughs> I was going to ask you a question. I wasn't aware I was making a face. <laughs> I was She's got your say, number, Gil. I, I was going to say, and and like memorizing all the dialogue. I mean, well, I was twenty six years old. That's no big deal. What was what, what was scary was was that you did it live. There was no retakes. Yeah, and and I don't know how we did it. I was we were terrified all the time. Do you remember mistakes being made during the show? No, but I do remember that uh, the first show I did, which was a, God knows what it was, but anyway, it was live at Studio Eight H, and there was a stage manager named Dan O'Connor who was married to a wonderful actress named Lenka Peterson, and I knew Dan, and I had never done a live show before, and somehow I got locked out of the studio as they were starting, and I couldn't get into the studio, and I was in the first scene, and I remember... He opened the door, which, you know, you weren't allowed to go, and yanked me into the studio and said, you're on. I was so such a novice. I didn't know, you know, where the stage door was. But we'd been rehearsing for, God, a long time, two, three weeks or something. And that was my first show, and I remember that. And then I did a soap opera for a long time. Yeah, the doctors and the nurses? No. I that wasn't it? No, I did. Uh, oh, Love of Life. Love of Life. Right. And I, and I thought that, I thought... The, the scene was over, you know, and uh, and and I thought it wasn't over. In other words, the cameras were still on. They didn't turn them off, and I just started talking about my life or something. On <laughs> <laughs> coast-to-coast television. Yeah, and the, and the actor I was with said to me, oh, the cameras are still on, and he made up something. Oh, my God. I just started talking about the roast in the oven. Who knows what it was? But I'm telling you, those were scary days, and, and uh, people are, don't. Haven't other people told you that? Yeah, a couple. I'm trying to remember how many actors we've had in here that did live television. Um, I'll have oh, to think about it. Oh, I did a it. lot of it. I think. did a lot of it. Yeah. Joyce, Joyce Van Patten, I think, did a couple. Lee I'm, Grant must have done some some live TV. I, well, were those the year? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, do you remember working with any of these people? These are the names who, I, I who? cross-referenced. William Wyndham, Murray Hamilton. Yes, I remember them all. Martin Sheen. Yeah, but I played Martin Sheen's mother. Wow. In The Defenders. Wow. A double oh. Defenders that won an Emmy. E.G. Marshall. And oh, well. Oh, I went, out, <laughs> I went out with him. Oh, you did? <laughs> you went out with E.G. Marshall? It's crazy about him. I love it. Crazy about him. I loved him so much. I was... A young girl, trust me. <laughs> but but he was, of course, I remember all those people. I remember Murray Hamilton very well. We loved, we talk about Murray Hamilton oh, all the time on this show. terrific actor. Yeah. Is he still with us? No, we lost no, him. No, no, we no. We lost him a while back. Most most people out there know him as the mayor in George. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. Larry, oh, he was a darling the mayor of guy. Shark City. Yeah. Really darling guy. Yeah. yeah. Carol O'Connor, it says here you work with Peter Falk. Well, Peter I worked with. I don't remember ever doing anything with Carol. Did I do something with Carol? I think so. I'll have to cross-check. Peter, you did a show called The Trials of O'Brien. Oh, my God. Yeah. See, I remember that show. That was a series, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was a series. I yeah, did. he was a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we, we got to be friends, and we were in an acting group together that somebody formed after that. You know, a very private acting group, and he was just fantastic. And then I think he got bored with it or something. But, you know, he had a funny attitude about acting. Did he? How so? It was just something he did, you know. Just do this thing. But Well, he he, painted. He had other interests. He did? Yeah, he was a painter. Yeah. I never knew that until this moment. Yeah. I loved him dearly. We all loved him. He would always come to to this class in, you know, mismatched shoes and his shirt hanging out. And he was just didn't care about any of those things. But he sure was a good actor. And we shed a few tears. It was very sweet. Tell us about Rip Torn. Well, he's a guy he was, we admire greatly. Well, he, are you serious? Well, his work. Yeah. I know he's a bit of a wild man. Or was. Was. Yeah. Uh, Still with us. He, he is? Yep. Yeah. He, he was, was a chiller at the Festival Guild when you were signing uh, oh, when you were geez. signing autographs What's in Jersey. Chiller? Um, oh, that's these autographs. It's an auto- celebrity autograph show. And Rip was there. Oh, Lately? Two years ago in Jersey. Yeah. Well, who's, what do you mean? People go to just sign their autographs? Uh, yeah. People. Why is it called Chiller? Um, it's well, mostly horror actors and, and, uh, oh. and, and that kind of stuff. Oh. But they mix in people like Gilbert and Rip Torn was there and James well, Darren. Uh, well, at school, he was better than all of us. He was a, a, a better actor than anybody could have imagined. And he, they, they didn't like him because he was a rebel. Mm-hmm. And he was fired from every production, almost every <laughs> production. We'd start doing, we did a lot of Shakespeare at that school. You know, it's a very rich school. And they did, we did six or seven productions here. We did two of Shakespeare. We did musicals. They always got rid of him because he would say, I don't think we're doing it the right way. He, and he used to say, I think there's a better way to act than the way we're being taught to act and the way we're acting. And he was right. He was a clear genius. Wow. He graduated too. He managed to graduate. But, but, and he was, you know, crazy, party going. Yeah, he, had a, he was a wild child and yeah. then some. But we were very good friends and I liked him a lot. And, and we were talking before we went on because I, I don't know how it got into it that I, I was, you know, I spoke at Abe Vigoda's funeral. And well, you kind of roasted him, didn't you? Yeah, I roasted him. <laughs> and and it got Did you get your laughs as my husband would say? Did you get your laughs? 
My oh, friend. Did you get your you laughs? laughs? Oh my God! Yes. Yeah, you got some I laughs. I wish I'd been there. It it was it was great, and they got in all the papers. We're talking about me roasting. Well, you know, Pagoda. Barbara, the running joke about Abe was that he had died many times. <laughs> <laughs> no one could believe that he was still alive. Yeah. Didn't he live on the Upper West Side? Upper East, yeah. near me. Oh, yes, oh, Upper yes. East. Yeah, near me on 70, I 72nd Street. this is the, seven, the 70th time we buried Abe Vagona. <laughs> well, what was your connection, the two of you? I just knew him, both of us. We both uh, knew him. Knew Abe. We worked just... with him at The View, actually, yeah. on, on a comedy oh, piece. Oh, really? But you knew him from the Friars Roast. He was oh, always yes. on the day. Yeah. He would always be there. They would have the annual Friars Roast at the oh, Hilton. Yeah, yeah. And Abe was a fixture. Yeah. He was always at the table, He'd at the long be, table. It's like he wouldn't roast anyone. He'd just be sitting there. At the table. And every Glum. year the comedian Jeff Ross would say, every year he would say, "What? A, this is a terrible, terrible event. I'm just glad Abe Vigoda is not alive to see this. And Abe, of course, <laughs> would be sitting there. <laughs> Remember, Abe would get up oh, and shake yeah. a fist on cue. Yeah. <laughs> now, now you said uh, he he <laughs> he kind of got a star attitude on <laughs> on Barney Miller. Hal was not too pleased about that. Well, then he got his own show, you know. Yes, yeah. fish. The, yeah, and I think one of the re- ways he got his own show, they wanted to get him off that set. <laughs> You don't think of him as a guy with an ego. No. That's funny. Well, we know him as a much older man. Well, let me tell you, he had an ego. He was very, I mean, he didn't upset anybody. You know, he would just be a little demanding and a little bit grumpy and not, he would say, why don't I have more lines and stuff like that. I mean, he just, once he got all that attention, he was off and running. I'm telling you. And Hal had nothing but lovely things to say about him when he was here with us. Well, I'm sure Hal feels that way, except yeah. that there there was only room for one star on that show. Mm-hmm. And the one star was Hal. And I must say, my husband used to say, he looks like he's not doing very much, but he's holding the whole oh, thing together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was so good. And, yeah. And Hal, great Hal great, said that Abe Fagoda kicked his ass at handball. Abe was apparently an athlete. He was a runner, and he oh, was. A hand, he I was, didn't know he that he was a handball player. I didn't know that an accomplished handball player. Yeah, I didn't know it. What about some of the other actors on that show? I mean, you were not in a lot of the station house scenes. You were in the well, home. Well, that was the problem. They, they, they eliminated the home, right? And so then right. I had to keep coming to the station all the time, right? Which got very tedious. And I tell, kept saying to Danny Arnold, "This is not working. You know, women work now." That's another story. Anyway, right. what did you just ask me? What about? Did you, did you, we just love to know about Jack Sue, or or, or oh, James Jack Gregory, or so, some of those other actors. Jack was so original and yeah. so sweet. Yeah, you know he just would roll. It would stuff would just roll over him. I mean, he just did his job. That's yeah. with Jack. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was glad to have that job too. But God, and you know, Danny knew all these people, a lot of them from from um, the Catskills. Right. Right. And I don't know how he found Abe, but but uh, I think Abe just auditioned. Oh, maybe I think Abe had done The Godfather at yeah. that point. Yeah. Maybe yeah. they were all just Max. Um, Max Gale, a wonderful, sweet yeah. darling. That there was nobody on that show who wasn't really. We all got along extremely well, really extremely well. And Hal said that Jack Sue 
was actually Japanese, but, you know, he was like, you know, he was worried about anti-Japanese feeling in the country. So he he picked like a Chinese sounding name. Oh, I had no That's idea. That's interesting. I don't I remember that. I had no idea. It's really interesting. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. But yeah, it, that was a great like kind of repertory company. Well, and I'll tell you something else. Danny Arnold, who produced it, was from the Catskills, you know, from vaudeville. He was so smart. Yeah, it was a, co- a comedy genius, really. Comedy genius. Yeah. And he was so funny. And we would get pages one at a time during the week. We'd get one page at a time. We had no idea where the script was going. We would get coffee. We'd talk. We'd talk on the phone. And we didn't have cell phones in. But, you know, we'd go. And we'd say, finally, we'd get a full script. And maybe we'd have a day and a half to run through the whole script, to rehearse it, to work on it. Then the audience, then the the day that the audience would come in, Danny would come down in the morning and redo the entire show. Wow. And he'd say, you're going to do this and you're going to do this and we're not going to say that. He actually wrote every script. He rewrote everything. that. Wow. And he would say things like, you know, you want to get this laugh? This is how you do it. And don't turn around when you say that. And I'm taking that line away from you. And you're going to, I'm giving it to you. And we would go, Danny, the audience is coming in. And that's what he did every week. But he was incredibly smart. He was, And so funny. He knew about comedy. He was a comedy genius. I think he was, yeah. I so mean, he, he knew every detail. Every detail. And he wrote every... I mean, you turn in your script. I knew a lot of those writers. You turn in your script. He'd say, this is great. We'll work on it this week. The writer would work, 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 work. And we get the pages. He would come down. He'd change the whole thing. He did it every on week. On the fly. That's a real talent. Oh, he he was he was a powerhouse. People still recognize you from Barney Miller. Oh, I heard yeah. you say people yell out of buses and things. Oh, and they cabs. do. They go truck drivers say, "Mrs. Miller, <laughs> Mrs. Miller." <laughs> but you know, I left the show because they he wouldn't give me a job. I know, and it got boring, and uh, I didn't leave on my own. I really kind of just got written out. On the subject of, of 70 sitcoms, too, I want to talk about quickly about that Mary Tyler Moore episode where you play. Now, Gil, do you remember this, where Murray considers having an affair with a woman who's selling a piano? Oh, yes. And, and he had never had an affair before. He'd um, never had an affair. Yeah, the episode was called I Love a Piano. Yeah, it was got very famous. Yes. Well, you, I don't you know why. You were very seductive in that episode, I, I, was? if I may say. Yes. I don't know. I, it got, I don't know. We, we just did it. And I when I first <laughs> when I first got the script... I thought, this will be fun. You know, I didn't read for it. I just sent it, and I thought, oh, I, I think i like to do this. And I had every man on that show was crazy about me. By the last week, they had all been taken away. It was only Murray. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so, and he was a little tenuous about it, too, as an actor, you know. Gavin McLeod. Yeah. Yeah. And we did it. It seemed fine to me. And every time I'd meet somebody, they say, oh, I remember that piano show. Sure. I just watched it. But what what is it about it that makes it memorable? Well, um, it's interesting. Well, it was a different side of that character, yeah. I think. And they well, they didn't give Murray a lot of solo episodes yeah. for oh. one thing. So it was it was different. It, originally, it's t- uh, it's Georgette, your Georgette's friend. Yeah. And she's trying to fix Barbara's character up with Lou. Yeah. But Lou's dating somebody. Yeah. Sherry North, I think. <laughs> and so uh, Murray gravitates toward Barbara's character. And you were fun together. Those are fun actors anyway. You worked with Ed again on Lou Grant. 
Oh yeah, yeah, I did. But I, yeah. but I I didn't know Gavin at all. I had mm-hmm. never met him. Mm-hmm. But it's trying to be funny. It's He's so born st- again now, by the way. He is. Yeah. Yeah. Where is he? What's he doing? He's in Los Angeles, but he's a devout Christian. Really? Mm-hmm. Wasn't he then? Make what you will of that. I don't know. Was he then, Gil? Why? Gavin McLeod? I don't think so. I think it was a later uh, a later in life kind of thing. Interesting. Because he was a little embarrassed about that whole thing. Although maybe he was just acting. You know, he was, I don't know. But it, it, I remember, as a matter of fact, I do remember the director... Was Jay... Jay Sandrich. Jay Sandrich. Yeah, still I, with us. I worked with him so many times. He's a legend. And when the when the, the the piano didn't sell, I think we didn't sell it, I didn't sell it, I said to Jay, I think after all of this kind of courtship that he should say thank you. You know, it's nice to know you. So Jay said, really? I said, yeah, you're having to just mistreat me and walk out the door? And they changed it. Yeah, well, you I kissed think, him. Yeah. You kissed him, and, and then I, he's singing Strangers in the Night. I don't remember any of <laughs> Jay Sanders was a really good director. Oh, he's still with us. And and you were in Giant. Which yeah, that was, yeah, but, but what for one second. Oh. If you bent down to pick up your popcorn, you'd miss me. It was a, it, I was still in college. So were you wide-eyed? I mean, you're working here with the great George Stevens. Was it like, what am I doing here? A little bit of that? Well, yeah. I mean, I wasn't in college, just out of college, just out of college. It just was one of those things that he needed somebody from Texas, and he needed somebody with an accent, which I had at that time. Mm -hmm. And so he called, evidently, I was seeing another actor at that time, which should be nameless, and he called (laughs) that actor, that actor's agent, and said... It just came up in the conversation, and my boyfriend said, I'm going with a girl who's from Texas. So he said, send her over, and I went over, and I met George Stevens. And he said, um, you want to do this part? I said, it's like six lines, you know. I said, sure, why not? I mean, I, I was just hanging out in California with my, my boyfriend. I said, sure, and I did it. And it went on and on for weeks and weeks. Too boring to go into because James Dean was difficult and they couldn't. Always shoot late, and, wasn't he? Always late. And but the one thing that I remember is that we I had two lines in the funeral scene, and I whatever the line was, I say to Elizabeth Taylor, and it's the wrong thing to say. And George Stevens said to me, "When you say that line, think to yourself, I'd like to bite my tongue off." That's what he said to me. Wow. And I did it, and boy, was he right. Was he a good director? And such a great man, you know, great man. And I remember, here was this little actress from nowhere, right? And he was very specific with me. And if you see it on on screen... I'm going to watch it now. Well, you'll see... I've seen the movie, but I don't remember the scene. You'll see, I go, because he said, just wish you could bite your tongue off. That's very specific. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was a very fraught set, you know, because James Dean was always late. And we sat around and sat. You know why? Just a tortured soul? Well, he was out riding his motorcycle. I mean, he just, he was a rebel. He was a rebel without a cause. He really was. And he would come late, and George Stevens stopped speaking to him. Yes, I'd heard that. And he said, I will not direct him anymore. I will do it through, you know, the AD or the second director. He was so rude. He wow. Was so rude. I guess you're right. I think he was tortured. Nobody would behave like that unless. Yeah, I think he drank and everything. 
I don't know any of those. You burned I, out pretty quickly. Yeah, I yeah. just know that we we wait, and then and uh, Rock Hudson had to go finish another movie, which I'll never forget. It was called Autumn Leaves, and so they we had to wait for him to come back. We got paid for waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, boy, I'm in the right business, you know. I just got out of college. I'm getting paid to do nothing. Well, tell us, Bill, you were, we were we were talking about it before, and I'm trying to get clear on this because I was I was doing a lot of, of research, but I couldn't figure this out. You you really only came to New York because you were following a guy, yes. your your boyfriend at my the boyfriend. time. You I, really didn't have a, any grand designs on on becoming an actress. No, my the faculty at the university did. They said you're going to be an actress. I said I don't think so. I did a lot of wonderful work there, but I know he, I was in love with this guy who was from Texas, and we had gone together for at least two or three years, and he came to New York, and I missed him, and I thought, I have to, you know, I have to be with him. I had very good skills. I had shorthand and typing. I knew I could earn a living, mm-hmm. but I wasn't seeking to act. I wanted to be with him, and he, by the time I got here, he was already in a Broadway show called The Remarkable Mr. Pennypacker. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we're going to look, look that up and figure out who it is. John Reese. I'll tell you. John Reese. John Reese. Reese. Like John, Reese's Peter, but he's Reese. no longer with us. Oh, I'm alas. sorry. And yeah, I came to be with him. And we, we lived together in those days when people didn't really do that. Uh-huh. You know? So I had to keep it secret from my mother. And that's another two. Were you working at the Russian Tea Room at one that point? That was later. Okay. Later. later. And according to... Um, this you you would have worked with Rock Hudson twice. Oh, you worked on Macmillan and Wife. Yeah. I did. He was adorable. Yeah. Yeah, because then I really had a part, you know. Yeah. And he was so darling, such a sweet man. Made you feel that you were so welcome on his set, and it was just he was a remarkable man. It's nice to hear. Really. Now, while Gilbert heads into the nutmeg kitchen to steal more Perrier, (laughs) a word from our sponsor. (laughs) On the next Gilbert and Frank's Colossal Obsessions. Before I forget, since you named Greetings. Yeah. The theme song. Of course. He's going to tell you the, he's going to know the theme song from Greetings, a movie that hasn't been seen by anybody in 40 years. Greetings, greetings, greetings. We would like a word with you. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Spend a day or two with uncle. Spend a day or two with uncle. Spend a day or two with Uncle Sam. <laughs> can, can you confirm that this was the theme song from Greetings? I feel like we need to lift that clip and send it to the University of Texas. <laughs> it's Gail and Frank's colossal obsession. It's Gail and Frank's hypnotic possessions. It's Gail and Frank's Your deepest confessions to Gail and Frank. They now control you, so give up. Gilbert and Frank's Amazing Colossal Obsessions, every Thursday, only on Stitcher Premium. It's Frank and Gilbert time. Now, unfortunately, we return to our show. Tell us about another early role doing The Twilight Zone with Robert Duvall. 
Now, is that the one with the dolls? Yes, the miniature. It's called yeah. miniature. It's in the it's in the museum. Correct. How, like do you, a doll- how do you remember that? Everybody remembers that show. Yeah. And you know, oddly enough, that was one that was left out of the syndication package. Wow. For legal reasons, because some other writer claimed authorship of that story. Oh. Of that episode. But Barbara played his sister. I played his sister. Very young Robert Duvall. Very. We were living on the same street in Hollywood, actually. We were neighbors. And I knew him from acting class. And, you know, I just adored him. And it was a job. I mean, it was a good script. It was a job. And we did it. And you people talk about it to this day. Yeah. I think there's something. Well, first of all, he was so good even then, you know. And secondly, it was these little dolls in the... Mm Mm-hmm. And, and and I think in the end he's in the case. He ends up as one of the dolls. He ends in the up as dollhouse. one of the dolls. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not to not to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. It's like it's anything. You know, you do something, you think, okay, it, I've done it now. I've really worked on it. Here's my check. I paid my rent, and then suddenly you realize it's become a, a kind of a cult show. That's a pinch me thing, isn't it? Right for you, it was young actress, just a job. Yeah, on to the next job. Oh, I had to and pay all the these rent. years later, we're talking about it, and people are talking about it. I had to pay the rent. Did yeah. you meet Rod Serling? No. Okay. No, but you know what? When I did that show, <clears throat> I was living on the street in Hollywood. Bobby Duvall was down the street. I was living in the the house of um, the silver-haired commentator on CNN. What's his name? Uh, the new guy? Yeah. Anderson Cooper? Anderson Cooper. Yeah. I was living in his father's house. Oh, wow. I rented that house for $100 a month. And I said to him, his name was... Um, uh, Wyatt Cooper, and I had met him. I said, why are you renting your house? He said, I'm going to New York. And I said, why? He said, I'm in love with Gloria Vanderbilt, and I'm going to marry her. How about that? So every time you see Anderson Cooper on CNN now. Well, I actually stopped him on the street one day. You did? <laughs> I don't think he was too thrilled about it. Oh, really? <laughs> I said, I knew your father very well, and I lived in his little house on Hancock Street. He listened. He was nice, you know, and I knew his mother really well because when she was pregnant with him, Gloria, I met her at the Westport Country Playhouse one night. We were both in the audience. She said, Barbara, you've got to get pregnant. I'm pregnant. It's heaven. And that was, she was pregnant with him. I love that. You know, I saw you on a Crosstown bus about five years ago on the 72 bus, long before we ever started this show. Oh, really? And I said, I really admire her, but I'm not going to bother her. Oh, I wish you had. And now here you are. I wish you had. Isn't that funny how life works out? Yeah, I take that bus all the time. I love that bus. <laughs> I, I texted my wife. I said, Barbara Barry's on the bus, and oh. I, want to, I want to approach her. But oh. she said, leave the woman be. Oh, that's so nice. I wish you had. Yeah. And and you did. Oh, I just remember John. Now. John Randolph, think, you know. Yeah, I think Played John, Bob Newhart's no, father. No, I know John Randolph. Yeah. Certainly. Yeah. He's been in a trillion movies. Yeah. King, the bad but King Kong he's in. He was in uh, Second. Yes, with the Frankenheimer Robinson. picture, yeah. You guys remember everything. We're freaks. Yeah. We're freaks, Barbara. Yeah, we know stuff that you shouldn't know. I want to say one more thing about that Twilight Zone episode. The original Alice Cramden was in that episode with you, Pert Kelton. Yes. Wow. <laughs> You're and, right. And There's then more trivia. she would pop in yeah. as Alice's mother. Pert Kelton. And William Wyndham is in that episode remember playing the shrink. Remember him, too, very well. Then going from Twilight Zone to out the Alfred Hitchcock Hour, I did a few of those. Yeah, I think you did two. I did one where I played a hugely fat woman, like six hundred pounds, who was used for breeding, and 
You did one with Bradford Dillman and Dabney Coleman. Oh, geez. Called Isabel. Yeah, I don't remember. And you that. did one with a British actress, Gladys Cooper, from My, oh, Fair, I remember that from My Fair Lady. I remember her because she was a legend, you know. Yeah. And she was where I am now. She was having trouble with lines. And I thought at the time, why? Just because you get older, why do you you, you can remember lines? What is that? I was very impatient with her. Guess what? Yes, you can't remember lines. <laughs> <laughs> Now, did you work with Hitchcock? No, he never came on the set. I never saw him. But they used to just call me up and ask me to do those things. I mean, I tell you, I never auditioned. First of all, I'm the world's worst auditioner. The worst. Another one. So we always ask <laughs> actors who come in here, do you do you hate auditioning? Are you good at it? Are you bad at it? Gilbert hates it. Yeah. I'm terrible. The only job I ever got was the wooden dish. Uh-huh. Through an audition? The only one. At a certain point in your career, you were established enough that they That's must right, have been giving no, you parts. Some people still say, will she come in? And I say, no, because mm-hmm. I know how bad I am. Interesting. Terrible. It's embarrassing. Why? Because you're a bad, cold reader? Yeah, I'm a bad, cold reader. And I think I'm probably in the days when I was still thought, they thought I should have, I was probably too eager to please. And instead of just doing the work, you know, and letting it go. And I just finally said, oh, I guess maybe God, 20 years ago, as long as I've been in this apartment, I said, I'm not auditioning ever because I don't get the job. So that's how I got breaking away. You know, I just walked in to see Peter. He he asked to see me through my agent, and I walked into 20th Century Fox. That's my two little children in the waiting room outside. It was such a sudden call. And he said, okay, the part is yours. What had he seen you in? I have no idea. No, we talked about Peter Yates on this show. He directed oh, Bullet. Oh, and and hot and the Hot Rock yeah. with your friend uh, Ron Liebman. Yes, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and I said, well, don't you want to meet anybody else? He said, no, no, you're you're the one I want. And I never, I didn't even see this. I read the script the night before because my agent sent it to me in California. I had just arrived on the plane with my children. My husband was in New York. He said, you got to be at Twentieth Century Fox at ten in the morning. You know, what do I do with my kids? I took them, and I walked in, and he, we talked with me. He said, okay, part is yours. I said, well, maybe you'll find somebody you like better. I mean, I couldn't get over it. <laughs> and, and then I you know, made her... I, know, I know why he cast me. Why? I look just like Dennis Christopher. Oh, there was a likeness with Dennis Christopher. Yeah, I never thought of that. And And I guess both of us were voices in Disney films. That's right. In Hercules? No, you were in Hercules. I I was in Aladdin. I was the parrot. Oh, that's right. I was in Hercules, and I've never seen it. No. You've never seen it? Wow. Interesting. I just... What about your grandchildren? They've seen it, but I mean, we... I I just never got around to seeing it. I don't know why. Isn't that terrible? Yeah. People really, really write me about that. Really? They send me those cards, you know, that are They're going to write you again after they hear this. I hope so. And they say, <laughs> we, we loved you in Hercules. Why don't you watch it? I don't, never saw it. Interesting. Interesting. Would you watch Aladdin if not for the, the Lily and Max? Uh, Would you have seen it so many times if you didn't have kids? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's so funny. I mean, I watched it a bunch of times before I had kids. And then after I had kids, it got to the, this point... Because kids watch the same thing over and over and over. How old are your kids? Uh, eight and ten. Oh, they're little. Yeah. You have and, little guys. Yeah. And I, I, I never much thought younger when we started day, this. <laughs> I, I never thought one day I'd walk into a living room and uh, where Aladdin is playing and go, 
Hey, could you turn that crap off? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to hear your own voice coming out of the television? <laughs> is it a girl and a boy, Gilbert? Or is it... uh, yes. Oh, God. Yeah, and, really? I, and they've seen Hercules and you haven't. No, I haven't seen yeah. it. Wow. I don't want to jump off Breaking Away just yet because you also did the series. We talked about Paul Dooley. We had Paul here on the show. Yeah, and you I guys did. are very funny in that movie. You're oh. a funny duo. Well, I love when you said, when when he says, what are we going to do with that kid? And you say, well, we could always strangle him while he's asleep. Well, that's in the script. Well, I know, you but know. you're very funny. The script was very good. It won it went an Oscar, that's A very American movie, ironically directed by a Brit mm-hmm. and written by a guy from Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. How interesting. Mm-hmm. But you did the series with Vinnie Gardenia. Georgia, yeah. But we Georgia. also love. Yes. Vincent Gardenia. How was Vincent Gardenia to work? Oh, wonderful. We were friends for a long time. God, we love his work. I think I did something else with him before that series, and we knew each other. We were in Georgia, and it was, you know, very fun, bucolic. But as I as I said, we the the network changed hands. They some people came in, some people, and they until they got rid of us. You know, it wasn't their show, so they said, "Okay, you're done." We said, "We're done." I had rented a house. My kids were coming down to visit with my husband. They said, yeah, we're, we're, we're wrapping. You're going to leave in three days. So we left. That was the end of it. Sean Cassidy was good in that show, and I Lovely. thought that show had legs. I thought it was going to survive. So did we. So did we. Yeah, it was smart. And and, and, a, and a, the rare series that's faithful to the movie that doesn't exactly. kind of sell out the integrity exactly. of the movie. And we just talked to each other. There wasn't a lot of acting going on, you know. It was a very well-done series, but they got rid of us. Tell Gilbert about not winning the Oscar, which you told me in the car. It's kind of fun. Oh, I knew I wasn't going to win the Oscar because I was up against Meryl Streep. Who, yeah. And uh, so at the ceremony, they did send me, send us all out there in great style. It was great fun. My son was about seven or eight, seven, and tiny at the point at that point. And I said to him right before I was done, as I leaned down, I said, now, Aaron, I'm not going to win. Don't be upset. <laughs> And that, that's on YouTube. You see him, me leaning down and saying, don't be upset, because I didn't win. Then we went to the banquet, and he was so upset. My daughter was fine, but he was so upset that he passed out and fell into his plate. He just passed out. From stress. Stress and, <laughs> and grief. Oh, my God, I love that. Now, that was a kid that was destined to be in show business. Well, he's in show business. He's and my show husband year. picked him up. We were staying at a... Lovely hotel in Westwood, near the where they had the banquet. My husband picked him up, took him home. That was the end of that. But you can see it on YouTube. Love you that. can see him like this, you know. And I'm bending down, lost. Because they do the isolated shots on the nominees, right? That's I why don't know see. how they did. I, I, did, I was saying to to Barbara in the in the car over here. You know, Meryl Streep for Kramer versus Kramer. That was a lead role. Oh, they yeah. never should have put her in the supporting actress category. Well, we. I don't want to talk about. Okay. That. <laughs> Do you, do you want to put down Meryl Streep? <laughs> no, I think she's fantastic. I just don't want to talk about that episode. Yeah. And you were in a movie, The Caretakers. Yeah, with Joan Crawford and Molly Bergen. And, and, and Robert Stack. And Robert Stack. Yeah, but you, go ahead. How did you prepare for that? It's an interesting question. Did you ask, <laughs> did you ask that on purpose? <laughs> He's working with Do you have that now. on the paper? <laughs> yes. You have it? Yes. Oh. No, just not by some weird coincidence. <laughs> I went into a hospital. I got committed to a hospital 
an asylum. An asylum. Yeah. Uh, in California, in um, not Stockton, but in not uh, out of the valley somewhere, a very famous mental hospital in California. The producer got me in so that I could spend a few days as a patient and see what was like to be catatonic because that was my part. And he said, okay, I'll arrange. I asked him if he would arrange it, and he did. And I, they took me down. I, you know, they, I registered. They put a gown on me, and I went to see doctors that nobody knew except the head of the hospital, I guess, knew. But, and the patients got it right away. And they'd say, you're not one of us. You don't belong here. Wow. And I'd say, what makes you say so? And they said, because you're not crazy. You're not one, You're not mentally ill. What are you doing here? I would say, oh, but I am, and I'm here for, and I spent a few nights there, you know, in the wards where it's pretty scary. And uh, finally, the fourth day came. I was only there about four days. And I went up to the nurse's station, and I said, um, I'm going to check out now. She said, oh, are you really? <laughs> I said, I really am. You know, I'm here to observe. She said, uh-huh. We hear that a lot. Wow. I said, no kidding. They're coming in a car to get me. She said, well, who do you think you are? She just wouldn't believe me. I won't go into how how I had to get somebody to come and get me out of there. But I did learn a lot, and I learned a lot about catatonia, and I also learned a lot about how smart those people are. They may be mentally disturbed, but they know what's going on. I mean, they knew what was going on. Not all of them, but... There were some catatonics whom I was, I was playing, who really did sit all day. You know, they didn't move, and that's scary. That's what I was playing in the movie. So the people running the asylum <laughs> were convinced, yeah, you were crazy. But the crazy people, interested. You're right. That they knew I wasn't. And and wow. what was it that they saw that they knew you weren't crazy? I think it's the way you speak. It's your attitude. You can pretend to be. I pretended to be, you know, kind of out of it. They just laughed at me. They said, what are you doing? You're not one of us. That's You're fascinating. Right. It's very interesting that you said that because the only way I got out of the hospital was they finally called the head of the hospital who came down to get me. And I got out. I got, They gave me my clothes back. But you're right. The people who really, who really should have known really thought I was crazy. And the people who, the, the really uh, mentally disturbed people got my message in a minute. Isn't that interesting? Wow. I think we've come up with a plot of a horror film. Yeah, An actor goes into a mental hospital to study a role and then they can't get out because they, they commit her. There have been movies like that mm-hmm. where people have pretended to be crazy and gone into homes and then... They are convinced they, they're crazy and they won't let them out. Oh, I didn't know that. There was one. So, I think that one was Sam Fuller. There, uh, Shock no, Carter? Yeah. Yeah. I think in that, uh, what's his name? Stuart Whitman. Oh, my gosh. Pretends he's crazy. Never seen Shock Carter. And he checks into an asylum and then they believe he's crazy. And what's the name out. of the movie? What? Shock Carter. Is that the one you're thinking of, Shock Carter? I think so. Sam Fuller. Sam Fuller directed it? Now I have to look that up. Yeah, okay. Interesting. Wow. It was a bizarre experience. And I'll tell you, the movie was odd because, you know, Joan Crawford was... I had no scenes with her. She came later. But when I looked at it again some years ago, 
I thought, oh, I could have been so much better. I could have done so much better work than I did in that movie. Do you watch yourself a lot in movies and TV shows? Never. No. I happened to see that movie. I don't know why. They showed it on television some or somewhere. I don't know why I happened. I never watch myself. So you avoid watching yourself. I don't care. I mean, What about something you think you're particularly good in? Like, no. No. You no. can't watch that either. I mean, it's not that I'm a poor... I, I have an abhorrence, abhorrence about it, but I'm not interested. It's done, you but know? The times you have seen yourself, do you ever find yourself like that time going, oh, damn, why did I do it that way? Very often. Yeah. I, one of the, I saw myself in Private Benjamin. I liked that a lot. I liked what I did in that a lot. But the 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 caretakers, caretakers, I thought, oh, my God. Goodness, I could have done so much more interesting stuff. I don't know what I was thinking of. You know, you grow as an actor. Yeah. It takes 30 years to make an actor, I really think. And you do grow. Well, you've done 30, 40 movies. Is that, have you had that experience, Gil? Yes, I'm still, one day I'll learn how to act. <laughs> do you, have you looked at a performance and thought I could have done something different with it? I, I, every one of them. Every one of yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> Is that true? That's true. I, I, I do Never find to myself that. going, I, I mean, everything I do in the business, when I do an interview on a talk show or anything, I'm going, ah, God, that was a dumb thing to say. Oh, but don't you ever like yourself? Sometimes. Sometimes I do. And then there are those other times where you go, oh, why did I do it that way? Well, I you I I feel that way. I, I don't, as I said, I don't watch myself. But that one time I did, and and I thought I really missed the boat. I missed the boat on that performance. I just watched you in One Potato, Two Potato. That's a different thing. Yeah, and you're and you're excellent. And I hope you can I hope you can watch at least parts of that. I saw that recently because beautiful little movie. Yeah, they ran. No, I like that. I would have done some scenes differently there too. Trust me. That was a long time ago. Directed by Larry Pierce, Gilbert, who made The Incident, a, mo- oh, a movie wow. you're very fond of with Martin Sheen and Brock Peters. Which which brings us back to what was Martin Sheen like to work with? Well, he's darling. You know, I wasn't really old enough to play his mother, but I did play his mother. And it was, as I say, it was a double defender's. and We had a wonderful time. He was a young actor. He was just beginning. And what a body of work now. Yeah, and what yeah. a great guy he is, too. Yeah. yeah. But he was very young. And I was getting married during the... And I, we couldn't finish shooting. It was horrible. I mean, I wanted it to be over. It's another story. We won't go into it. Well, let's talk about your husband, Jay, okay. who accomplished a lot in the business as well. And, and Richard Kind, who brought you to us, yeah. emailed me and he said, you know, Jay got me my equity card. And you and you and uh, I just wanted to tell you that, and I wanted to mention it to our listeners who love Richard. And your husband gave a lot of people their start. He F- gave F. hundreds Murray of Abraham. people. Not only actors, you know, musicians, yeah, composers, directors. directors. Sure. He founded a company called Theater Works USA. Jay Harnick. Jay Harnick. What was his name? Jay Malcolm Harnick. He founded this company, very small to begin with. It became the most successful children's theater company in this country, if not in the world, actually. And they did only musicals, as he would say, no dancing vegetables. <laughs> I they, like that. They did uh, one-hour plays about famous people as youths. 
young Mozart, young Jackie Robinson, young Lincoln. Mm-hmm. They were original. They, he would put the composer and the lyricist together. He would hire the directors, the scene designers, and he and the actors. So he introduced young people to theater. Yes. The well, they part. were graduates. Okay. Oh, you mean young people in the audience? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, children. Definitely, yeah, yeah. definitely. People at places in this country, little towns that never saw Henry Winkler, they, too. Yes, I, Henry. I was told. That's yeah, right. Who's done this show. Yeah, and he was very fond of Jay. He gave everybody their starts, their equity cards. But to get into the company, you had to audition. And he would hire people from, he would say, I can tell an actor or singer who walks in the room if he's going to, if he has a fire in the belly. He said, I don't even have to hear them. He I could would, know right away. Right away. And he was just usually always right. And um, uh, it became, he was everybody's favorite person because he was the most magnanimous, the most adorable, the funniest man who ever lived. And his actors, his companies truly adored him. That's nice. 30 what, years. What a nice legacy. Lo- and I meet people now, uh, many of whom you know. Who say, "Oh my God, your husband was like Richard Kind." Uh huh. My life would not have been the same. That's what he Jay. said to me. Yeah, he said, "Be sure to bring up Jay," and how he got me my equity card. And well, so. he's and Lynn Aaron's, and you know, uh, they have a show now once on this island, I think. Lynn Aaron's and her partner. He gave them their first sh- their first sh- assignment. A lot of people. He gave the people who wrote um, on television the big. Sh- Friends, as it was called. Oh, Mar- oh, Kaufman and Crane. Yeah, he Marta gave them Kaufman their first and job. David Crane. Yeah. Their first wow. job. How about that? They wrote a play for them. Uh, he They wrote a musical or a play. I can't remember because most of his stuff was musical. He gave them their first And wherever you go in the theater today, you see people on stage. The the last one who played the fiddler, what's his name? Um, uh, uh, um, oh, um, Molino? Alfred Molino no, played no, it. But... I, no, the next one who played it. Oh, uh, I can't remember. You know who I mean. Burstein. Uh, Burstein. What's yeah, I can't think of the name? first name. He he said in, uh, in a Times article about other... Oh, I just got dizzy. Uh, about other... Um, Fiddlers, that people have been in other fiddlers. And he said, when I was a young man, I played muddle in a— Danny Burstein. Danny Burstein. Right. I played, I played muddle in a in a uh, fiddler that was, you know, touring or something. And Jay Harn, the fabulous Jay Harnick, he said, the brilliant, he came up to me and he said, Danny, don't be afraid to be disliked. No, he said— Danny, dare to be disliked. He said that in the New York Times. He said that was the best direction I ever got because I'm sure he was doing a lot of stuff, you know, being muddle. And every time I see him, he said, your husband, he says, your husband, your And he says that to Aaron, too. Your dad, your dad. He was really a great producer. That's nice. He made a real contribution to the culture. Huge culture. Yeah. A huge contribution. Him. And your son is a producer, too. My son is a producer. That six-year-old that passed out in his salad yes. back in 1979. <laughs> He's also a writer, you know. He was dyslexic and was... Aaron Harnick. Aaron Harnick. Yeah, and produced thought... Martin Short's one-man show, uh, oh. Barbara's Son. Yeah. They thought he would never read, would never write. 
He went to a great school finally, and he became a writer. And then he became a. By the way, you, when you mentioned the movies that I've done, mm-hmm. he produced a movie called Thirty Days. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but I saw it's it in the research. Charming. Okay, I'll watch it. And then we did together uh, Eric Mendelssohn's movie with Madeline Kahn. Judy Berlin. Judy Berlin. Also, Have you ever I, that seen one that? I've seen. That one I've seen. I like that very oh, much. I love Madeline, I one of Madeline guess- Kahn's last part. I did a guest appearance in Martin Short show. Oh, Fame Becomes Me, I yes, believe it was yes, called. Yes. yes. You did? Oh, he pulled I mean, you out of the audience? The Broadway yeah. Show? Oh, the Jiminy Glick. You did oh, the Jiminy Glick yeah, thing? Yeah, he used to have that, like, as Jiminy Glick. Right. Oh, right. Oh, I neat. saw you do that. I'm sure I saw you do that. Wow. Because I was at that show a lot. Yeah, he would, and he'd pretend that, like, uh oh, we need a, a celebrity. Is there one in the audience? Right, right. Oh, nice to know Martin owes us a favor. Yeah. He'll have to come and do the show now. And to draw you worked in. with, of course, the great uh, Jack Klugman and Tony Randall. Yes, you were Gloria Unger in one of those Odd Couple reunions. I don't even remember doing it, but I know I did You it. don't. Mm-mm. You don't. Yes. I don't remember doing it at all, but, but then I did an Odd Couple movie in Vancouver for television with... With Jack, with Jack Klugman, yeah, and Tony Randall, and Tony Randall, yeah, and I played Tony Randall's wife, Gloria. Right, yeah. we were there forever in Vancouver. I thought we would never get out. Yeah, it is so boring. It's, I shouldn't say that. Well, you can edit that out. <laughs> we don't want to insult the people of Vancouver. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to. But anyway, yeah, I remember that movie because we were there forever, mm-hmm. and I remember they gave me gorgeous clothes. Designer clothes. They didn't give them to me. How was Tony Randall to work with? Well, you know, I knew him a lot, too. I knew him, but we. But what happened was he would just kind of ignore me for the whole shoot. We'd go to these outdoor camps. He would just kind of ignore me. And then one day, toward the end of the shoot, he said to me, You know, Barbara, you are really a pretty woman. I said, Oh, thanks, Tony. Took three weeks for him to see me. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. You're really pretty. And then we became friends, you know? He had other things going. I know he had his own theater company. He did, sure. Yeah. He was very busy. National, National Theater Company, and I think. And what about yeah. Jack Klugman? Well, Jack, at, oh, I knew Jack for years. I knew him before he, when his voice started to go. We were all friends in California before I got married, really. And he was he was a terrific guy. Uh, was? He's gone, Jack. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're all gone. And when he divorced Almost. his wife... Um, Brett Summers. Brett Summers. We were all kind of chummy. The Connellys and Joe, a lot of people. We were just a lovely group. And I remember he said to Brett Summers, look, we're going to split up, and I want you to have everything you need, so let's talk about what you need for the rest of your life. How about that? No, divorced people don't usually say that. He was a very good guy. He struck he, me. I don't never met him, but he struck me as a menschy guy. You can kind of get that. Very good guy. The people I really don't like, I'm not tell, talking. You don't to have about. to talk. You don't but have to see. Mean, that's the stuff I want. No, no. <laughs> no, but he was a, a menschy is the yeah. perfect word for him. Well, speaking of Felix Unger, I'm going to do a, a segue here. What? You also worked with the original Felix Unger, Art Carney, in The Prisoner's oh, Second Avenue. You yes. toured with him. Oh, tour- well, we did it on Broadway, too. Oh, and on Broadway, right. We replaced Peter Falk and Lee Grant. And Lee Grant. And he said, I won't do this unless Mike Nichols puts us in. 
because, you know, the stage manager often puts you in. So we rehearsed for a good, I would say, six, eight, ten days with Mike. And he was great. He and Mike didn't get along so well. Really? I never knew that. Well, eventually they did. And then we stayed on Broadway. Then we went on the national tour where we played Chicago for five weeks without one laugh. Not one laugh. And, you know, that's a hysterical. That show's filled with laughs. Not one laugh. Art said, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to play Chicago again. And he also called Mike. He said, I don't know what we're doing wrong, but we're not getting any laughs. And they send out the assistant stage manager, Tom Porter, who's brilliant. He said, I don't know. It's this audience. They don't, they don't, they're not vocal. Do you know what I mean? He was furious, but he was a great partner. And the only time he ever said anything to me was once we had a scene at a table and there was a wall. And at one point I hit my hand on the wall and he said to me, I want to ask you one favor. I said, what? He said, when I'm speaking, you're hitting your hand on the wall. Can you hit your hand on the wall a line later? I said, sure. It's the only time he ever criticized me. He was so darling. And so, and he was married to a wonderful one, Barbara, at that point. We all chummed around. We were doing it. But I tell you, Chicago was murder. I don't think I'll ever play Really? Chicago. Have you ever played Chicago? Oh, yeah. Well, you're well, most... comedy clubs. Well, but you're, you're more successful than we were. We were really, we bombed. And we sold out. It isn't that we didn't sell out. But the, the Chicago audience did not respond. Vogue, verbally, vocally. How interesting. Yeah, he was. Furious. But another guy again, you know. Obviously, I've never met Art Carney, but another guy that you, you know, what I'm saying, Gil, you get almost, you get the impression that he was yeah. a very, very light guy. Oh yeah. You never hear a negative. Well, you hear a lot of negative things about Gleason, but nobody ever said a disparaging word about Art no, Carney. No, no, no. He was very. He was very quiet. Yeah. You know, very quiet, and very um, modest. And he didn't like the first moment of our the play that what what Mike wanted him to do, and he stormed off the stage in rehearsal. He said, "I'm not going to do that. I'm funny, and you're not letting me be funny." And Mike said, "I didn't hire you because you were funny. I hired you because you're a great actor." And the next day we started again, and he said, "This is what you have to remember, Art. When you do a play in your first couple of moments, you have to." Be sure that you don't invite the audience up to join you. Don't pander to the audience. Just do the work. Do the work. And if even in a major comedy, you do the work as if it's Chekhov. Don't pander to the audience. And and Art really resisted him. But then it turned out, of course, he was right. Yeah, and if you remember that, that moment, the, uh, that character comes out without a sound and sits down on the sofa and size, and the house falls apart. But not in Chicago. Didn't Isn't work that in interesting? Chicago. That's funny, and I always, Chi- do, I always do great in Chicago. <laughs> He's breaking the mold. I would, I would be hesitant to go back, I'm telling you. Yeah. It was terrible. But he was a g- wonderful man. You got to lo- work with a lot of people you liked, and isn't that nice? Yes, more than the people I didn't like. Right. The people I didn't like were awesomely hateful. <laughs> 
<laughs> we won't ask you. Don't ask we me. We won't ask you. To, we'll t- you can tell us later over a drink. Don't ask me. I won't tell you. Can we throw some wild names out at you? Sure. How about you worked in Barefoot in the Park, speaking of Neil Simon, with Hans Conried? Wow. Yes. <laughs> Uncle Tanoos. For HBO. For HBO. Yeah, James Cromwell was in that, too, another of our favorite actors. Was James in that? Yeah. Are you sure? That's what what he played. He's he's credited here. What did he play? I'll have to to cross-reference it on my phone. And and what was Hans Conried like? It was a character. (laughs) We loved him. Just the way he is in real life. (laughs) We loved him. Oh, yeah, he was terrific. I'll just throw some names at you here. Okay. Uh, an actor Gilbert and I love, and we've been trying to get on this show, and I suspect he's a friend of yours, Bob Dishy. Oh, yes, he's a friend of mine. We did Judy Berlin today. Yes. Tony Roberts was here and promised us Bob Dishy, and we still haven't gotten Bob Dishy. Oh, so, he's a rare bird. Yeah, and he doesn't do interviews, does he? I don't know, Yeah, but I certainly love him. I love him. We've been friends forever. And tell us about Madeline Kahn. Well, you know, that was her last movie. I know. know. And we weren't supposed to know she was ill, but she was ill, clearly ill. But she behaved brilliantly. We shot at night. We shot in the rain. She was so agreeable and so um, such a, such a, a, a good sport. And I remember that there was a car... One night, we one day to pick her up, she was late, and she came down into the car and she apologized profusely. You know, she was a big star. Yes. And I thought, why she doesn't have to apologize to me? She was so down to earth, and so I really loved her. I had no scenes with her, by the way. It's a sweet little movie. It is a sweet little Judy movie. Berlin. I recommend it to our listeners if they don't know it. What about this? Is a guy Gilbert and I love, and you work with him a couple of times, Richard Mulligan. Well, I worked with him a lot. Yeah. Well, he's in One Potato, Two Potato. You did that series with him, Reggie. Yeah, did that series. And we went out together. We were a couple. You dated Richard Mulligan. We're breaking news here. Yeah. What a funny man. Wasn't he in that TV show, The Hero? Uh, He was in Soap. Yeah. And he was the star of a movie I love, Blake Edwards' SOB. Yeah. I think there was a show called The Hero. Okay. I'll check that. He was so funny. Truly funny. He, in life, he was funny. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> we only got to see him on screen. In life, he on this street where I lived. Yeah. They had a fire in my apartment, and I was touring Europe in another show. Uh huh. In a in a big show, you know, for the USIA and the theater guild, and he he stayed in my apartment <clears throat> just to take care of it for me, and I had wow. a lot of very good art, and during the fire, he took he got it all out. Down the stairs onto 45th Street. Oh. And here we are on 45th Street. Here we are. He's, he lived right on this very block. Yeah. He was a very special person. Funny. So funny. Good actor. Good Wonderful straight actor. actor. Good Wonderful. comedian. Well, he was in One Potato, Two Potato. Yes. And, and his brother, was... of course, directed To Kill a Mockingbird, his brother and Robert Mulligan. who was he married to? Many people. <laughs> <laughs> But Barbara wasn't one of them. I was not one of them. (laughs) I think he had three wives, really. I think he had three wives. Barbara, you worked with everybody and you did everything. And I got to say, I was telling Richard Kind that when I do research uh, with a guest, there are some guests where I could just, there's so much 
There's just well, page I, after page. But everybody, the, if you're if you're on the show, you've done a lot of work. Yeah, right? but you, but but there are some people where it just goes on and on forever, and we couldn't we couldn't even begin to cover it. Tell Gilbert, and we'll wrap with this. I think this he would find this interesting. The movie that you and Jessica did with Rip Torn. Where he was the Nazi, yeah. Where he was the Nazi, because Gilbert, you love a Nazi movie. Oh yeah. Well, and, we were survivors. We were survivors of a concentration camp. Women, a lot of women. It Sandy was, Dennis, Jessica Walter, Valerie Loretta Harper. Swit, Valerie Harper. Right. We all, and we each had our own trailer. I'll never forget it. It's very elegant. And somebody said to me, "Oh God, you're going to work with Jessica Walter. It's going to be so difficult." I said, "No, okay. I had never met her." P.S. We all adored each other. <laughs> She's the best. And Rip was the villain. And of course, I'd been to college with him. And we each had a trailer. And I remember they used to bring us champagne at the end of the day. It was the greatest shoot I ever wow. had. Wow. And, 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 uh, uh, it was just one of the, and Rip was, you know. It's called the execution. Like, yeah. yeah. And when yeah. we, and the scenes with him, of course, were impossible, as, as I remember, because he was always on his own wavelength. But his own wavelength was just brilliant you know you couldn't i once did a play with him at westport at the westport playhouse and i and he was in a wheelchair and i was kneeling i was his wife and i was kneeling and i i said my my line and he didn't answer me and and i said it again he didn't answer me i said something else again he didn't answer me the scene ended we just just ended so then afterwards i said rip why didn't you answer me when I was speaking to you on stage. He said, I decided I was going to do an experiment tonight. I was going to decide, I decided I would never speak a line unless I were viscerally impelled to speak it. (laughs) (laughs) He's really on his own wavelength. Always. (laughs) That's the way he was at Texas University. Wow. Wow. But he was, you know, real, and he just was uh, better than all of us. I can only tell you that. Yeah. He's still great. I mean, I, I, I've i never seen him give a bad performance. I haven't either. Well, didn't he do that thing with um, Sanders? Um, oh, the Larry Sanders the Larry show. Sanders. Oh, he's yes. wonderful. Yeah. Wasn't that. he good on he's that? wonderful. Oh, yeah. Absolutely wonderful. By the way, apropos of nothing, do you know I started watching last night just because I was so tired, Transparent? With Jeffrey Tambor. Have you seen it? No, I haven't, but I hear it's great. Well, it's bizarre. Yeah. And good. Yeah. You want to take us out with, here's your choice, a story about anything you want to say about any of these people. Tell me. Uh, George Burns, you did a movie called Two of a Kind. I did, yes. Ruth Gordon. Yes. Or Eli Wallach. I'd rather do Ruth Gordon. (laughs) Okay. You know why? Because I saw her in The Matchmaker when I was an usher. I was so poor. I was an equity member. And if you were an equity member, you got to usher at shows. Well, Gilbert worked theaters. You oh, yeah. Broadway theaters as a... At Christmas yeah, time. I, I sold was con- selling concessions. Concess- yeah, I would the concession stand. That's what you did? And and I it was a great time uh, because I was... Uh, I worked the concessions during Matter of Gravity... With Catherine Hepburn and Christopher Reeves, oh, uh, yeah. American Buffalo with Robert Duvall, uh, Kenneth McMillan and John Savage, and Equus with Richard Burton, 
And then for a week or two with Anthony uh, Perkins. I, I remember How all of those that? shows. I remember all that? of them. Gilbert sold you your milk duds. But you're <laughs> younger than I am, so I don't know. See, I probably overcharged you <laughs> for a, a fruit drink. I was, I was working for free. I had a basket, you know. Oh, you yeah. used to pass the basket. Oh, yes. At Christmas time for the Actors Fund. That's how I got to see all those shows for nothing because I didn't have any money. Yeah. And I was living in a cold water flat, so I mean, I really had no money. Anyway, I saw Ruth Gordon in The Matchmaker, and I said to myself, it's the greatest female performance I've ever seen. No kidding. And I was so blown away by it that it really affected me for the rest of my life. It affected my acting. It affected the way I believe people should behave myself behave on stage and you know that's it i haven't seen um um uh bet midler and this was not a musical this was a straight play she was doing the straight matchmaker mm-hmm. and it was the most glorious performance i've ever seen anyway fade out she and her husband her then husband garson canaan took a fancy to me and they would ask me to do stuff and I knew that if I were to play with Bruce Gordon, I would be so cowed and I would not be good. And so I did one thing that Garson asked me to do. It's a long story I won't go into. I went out of town. I replaced Marion Seldes. But, a, but at one point, they took me to dinner at Sardi's, and I always remember this. And she said, you have to do this play, Barbara, that we're going to do. And I knew I shouldn't do it, you know, because I knew it would come to no good. I said, I, I really can't, Miss Gordon. She said, you will have the most beautiful clothes you've ever had on the stage. That was her bribe. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't do it. But I revered her my entire I still do. Yeah, she's just great in everything. I still do. So that was my, that's my favorite story about her. She, because that's a good story. You know, she, she was a genius. You didn't see that show? No. And and what the hell? Tell us about George Burns. Well, he was very old when we did that uh, show. Two and of a kind. It was you, and, was you him, and Robbie Benson. Yeah, Robbie yeah. Benson. It was, and he was also, believe it or not, a customer of my brother's in Beverly Hills. My brother was an investment banker in Beverly Hills, and George Burns was one of his clients. So we had that kind of little bond, you know? That's nice. And he would was very sweet, and once a day... I was ushered into his trailer, and we had a little talk, and that was all he could do. And then I was ushered out, and then we did our scene. And then the <laughs> next day, I was ushered into his trailer at a certain time, four in the afternoon, whatever it was. We'd have a little talk. He he did have the cigar. I mean, you know, he was really, and it was a lovely experience. Uh, Robbie Benson was young. Was, mm-hmm. Is he acting still? He's around. Yeah, I, I met him, worked with him once. He's around. Very sweet guy. Very, uh, he was sweet then. And so George was old, you know. He was already old. Mm-hmm. And, but, and he was very protected. He had an assistant and a, somebody who took him off the set. I mean, he was very protected. But it was a good experience. So you're, you're a person who didn't even, want to, didn't even plan to become an actress, comes to New York to follow a guy. Look at the path your life took. You wind up working with George Burns, Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Joan Crawford. Joan Crawford, Rock Hudson. It's 
But you know the funny part about Quite it. Quite a is, ride, Barbara. Yeah, but you know the funny part about it is you're such a good interviewer. I must say both of you are just incredible. Uh, but the funny part of it is you never feel any different. You know, I still put the laundry in the machine, take it out and do the dry, <laughs> take the take the grandchildren to, you know, the nutcrackers. But you never feel any different. Never. I mean, maybe if you're a big, huge star, you feel different. Do you think so? I don't know. I'll ask Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel like you're a, well, a headliner? No, it's it's like you always wake up and and uh you know people feel like like I feel like I could get excited if I see someone I recognize from TV or movies, but I don't get excited to look at myself in the mirror kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. I mean sometimes you know where I live in the summer on Fire Island, especially when we first bought the house there, people used to think that I was, you know, different. They've learned that I'm not any different at all. But but you, I always wondered why they did that, because you still brush your teeth and, you know, get your kids ready for school, and you, you do all the things that you do. And I, I never have—that was my work. It was my work, and I loved some of the experiences. I mean— being in company was really an extraordinary experience, although we didn't know what we were doing. But it was, you know, extraordinary. You were nominated for Tony, and you had the only non-singing part. That's right. Yeah. That's good. right. You, you're so good, good at for this. You. Do you have an absolutely ironclad memory? I'm just psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm detached from reality is what it is, Barbara. Yes, I have a good memory. You must. Yes. I mean, you've all, only done this research, and now you remember everything. Yeah, so I told you in the car. I said, I now know everything about you. I know. I, spent... I even knew that your apartment caught fire when you were in L.A. doing all those gigs. Uh, you did? Doing all those gigs. Was yes. that in that research? Yes. Yes. And Richard Mulligan saved all my paintings. That part wasn't in the research, so I'm glad you added that. But this was this was a kick. And so you, yeah. It was 45th Street, wasn't it? Yep. <laughs> that, that's, that's interesting. What? I find like, um, it's it's kind of like, as you get older, you still kind of feel like, well, I'm still that like dumb kid that I always was, and and it's like you could be in a movie or TV show and stuff, and you feel like you're, you know, like the dumb guy or girl from years ago. Well, you know what Lawrence Olivier always used to say. What? No matter what his age, excuse me, he used to say. I always think of myself as 17 with red lips. <laughs> <laughs> always. He always said that. And I think of myself as 17 with red lips until I look in the mirror and I see my mother. And I know I'm not 17 with red lips. My husband used to say, I won't tell you how old I am now because I'm really getting up there. But you're still working. You just made a movie. I know. But my husband used to say, if you're over 50 and you get up in the morning and nothing hurts... You're dead. <laughs> That's a great line. He was really a funny man. We have to thank Richard Kind for, for bringing you oh, into yes. our lives. And, well, this and, was really fun. And I knew you'd be the perfect guest, and he was right. Well, you're and, the perfect and, interviewers. I can't get over you. You make me feel so easy, and you know so much. You know so much boring stuff about me. I mean, it's really boring. <laughs> we love show business. We love I actors. So. And and we love to hear their stories. What's really more interesting are my grandchildren. Wait till you become a grandfather. 
it changes your whole life. Oh, God. You have kids. <laughs> you have kids. I don't have any children, no. Well, I got married it late. changes your whole life. I'm yeah. telling you. They're smarter than anybody you ever knew. And uh, uh, they know more of all this technical stuff, you know. Oh, yeah. I called my daughter once. They were in a restaurant. And the rule was you can't answer your phone in the restaurant. My And my 12-year-old said, my, my daughter said, gee, I, maybe I should answer this. It's from Barbara. And they called me Barbara. And my 12-year-old said, oh, Mom, she probably just has something going wrong with her television set. <laughs> Don't answer. That's great. My, they my know. 10-year-old daughter, I have on my phone, I have a flashlight. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't for the life of me. It's on the back of your phone. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't for the life of me figure out. I was getting totally frustrated. <laughs> so I call up my 10-year-old daughter. She goes, okay, wait, wait. Press this button. Uh-huh. Yeah. Now now go to the left. Go to the left. Bottom <laughs> left. Press that. That's the flashlight. You see the picture? Yeah. And, and I thought, they wow. Know, they know how to do that. How is you becoming a grandfather going to be any different than it is now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what exactly. do you mean? Exactly. Yeah. What do you mean? He's already, <laughs> I'm already doddering. <laughs> oh, you mean because you had your kids late, you mean? Oh, yeah. 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 Aren't you glad you did? I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, now's a good time to wrap. We'll wrap. So this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. And we have been interviewing the very delightful star of, I don't know how many movies and TV shows, Barbara Barry. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Will you come back next time and tell us about the people you hated? No. Okay. Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast is produced by Dara Gottfried and Frank Santapadre, with audio production by Frank Verderosa. Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to Paul Rayburn, John Murray, John Fodiatis, and Nutmeg Creative. Especially Sam Giovanco and Daniel Farrell for their assistance. Gilbert, there's no goddamn script here. Jesus. Hello. This is uh, Gino Comporti, and I am pleased to tell you that uh, you are listening to the Gilbert Gottfried most colossal podcast ever done anywhere, except here. If I slip while I am shaving you and cut you to the quick... Use me as a duck.